Who decides medicine prices? How are vaccines made? Have questions about the healthcare industry? Welcome to 19 Conversations. Today with me are Alina Smith, who's the Senior Advocacy Officer at the Platform for International Cooperation on Undocumented Migrants, known as PECOM, and also Boris Azais, who's the Director, Public Policy Europe and Canada at MSD. And we're asking them, how can we improve healthcare access for marginalised communities? I'm Sue Saville. Thank you for joining the conversation. So welcome to you both, Alina and to, to Boris. So we know then that unfair and avoidable health differences exist in all countries to varying degrees, and that those at the more disadvantaged end of the health inequality scale tend to be in lower socioeconomic groups with low income, perhaps unemployed, living in deprived areas that could be urban or rural. They're also perhaps with lower educational achievements. They might be vulnerable groups, migrants, traveler populations, rough sleepers, the homeless, sex workers, caught up in modern day slavery, um, sometimes those of a certain age, sex, race, gender orientation, or perhaps with a disability, drug users, prisoners. <laughs> the list is so long and I could go on. But if such communities then are marginalized from full and fair access to healthcare, what can be done to reach them? Boris, let me ask you first, from the pharmaceutical industry point of view, and indeed as a trained lawyer, as I understand you are, with justice at the heart of it then, what have your organisation been doing in order to help in this way, particularly with reference to the Nobody Left Outside coalition? Well, Sue, thank you uh, for uh, the invitation and the opportunity to share this uh, very rewarding experience of uh, having been at the center of this initiative. Nobody Left Outside is a coalition of NGOs representing people from the most marginalized communities in our society with a single focus on access to healthcare. So this is quite a unique voice. And as you've mentioned, there is a long list. Uh, these communities include homeless people, LGBTI people, people who use drugs, prisoners, sex workers, and migrants. And each member of the Nobody Left Outside Coalition represents one of these groups. So we brought together a set of diverse voices who decided to join forces to put the spotlight on access to healthcare for their communities and the numerous challenges that they face. So why would a company like MSD want to initiate such a coalition as nobody left outside? Well, that's a fair question. As a research-based pharmaceutical company, MSD is first and foremost about discovering, developing, and bringing out new medicines. That is our first priority and raison d'etre. And we have done so for more than a, a century across many diseases. But we believe that our role goes beyond that, not just research and development or bringing new medicines, but it calls for a full engagement in healthcare policy and the organization of our healthcare systems, because we live and breathe at the interaction between pharmaceutical innovation and access to healthcare. And as such, MSD has a long history of initiatives with a focus on access to healthcare and population health. And supporting the Nobody Left Outside initiative is very much in line with this uh, history and practice. And I understand it's been running for about four years or so now. Alina, why did you decide to get involved with the Nobody Left Outside initiative? 
Well, you know, the initial invitation was actually to participate in a joint session at the European Health Forum Gastein, I think, back in 2017. So the invitation was to join with a number of organizations really together. Each of us would have a space to share our particular perspectives and insights on the particular group that we were working on, but we would do that in a joint space. And it was a great event. And uh, it was really wonderful that Boris took the initiative to organize that event, bringing together organizations that he knew before and that all of us were really in that room. And it was wonderful. It was a really, really nice event and really, really well attended. And I think that was really the birth of the NLO. And so we had already at PCAM been working on access to healthcare issues for undocumented people for almost two decades. And we were already starting to move towards an approach to health that really also looked at broader socioeconomic factors, many of which you raised at the outset, Sue. And we already knew many of the organizations in that room uh, sharing their inputs. We had already worked with them. But what the NLO provided was an opportunity and really a space for us to go beyond those relationships where really the encounters were a bit occasional to really go past and deepen those connections, but really with the purpose of finding a shared frame for our advocacy, a shared set of asks. All of us work on the rights and the realities of people who we describe sometimes as marginalized and so who are very easily often dismissed by policymakers because they seem very small, very peripheral. But when we can bring together a number of groups, it really does make the connections. It really shows the interconnections and the intersections among the issues we work on and shows that they're not marginal at all and really shows that when we take the right approach, the impact can be really quite significant. And maybe just a final point, we've also been working on issues of intersectionality. And I think when we think about intersectionality, that really means finding the points of connections with other movements and building something jointly. And I think NLO gave an opportunity to begin that work with partners. And that's interesting that you say these communities are actually not marginalised at all. Um, it's been said that communities are not hard to reach, health systems are. So how can policymakers improve inclusivity and resilience in healthcare systems? I mean, specific actions. Boris, what would you think? Well, as you know, if you follow health policy, there has been a discussion or a theme for over a few years about making our health system patient-centric. But now we realize that this is really not enough and we really need to develop people-centric health systems. And more often than not, the organization of our health systems at the point of care, how healthcare is delivered, has not been designed with in mind some of the very concrete problems faced by various groups and communities. I can give you a very simple example. Before we set up NLO, I was working on the hepatitis C elimination campaign. And then I came across the story of a young Frenchman, drug user, living on the street with his dog. And though he had the full right to access healthcare uh, in France, he could simply not go to the hospital visits. He could not go inside the hospital because this meant that he would have to leave his dog on the street and where he was concerned that uh, left unattended, the dog would be stolen and so forth. So this you know, is a very simple 
story that illustrates the type of very concrete problems, issues that often some people face when accessing healthcare. And immediately you can think that innovative and creative solutions are required. And so uh, the very first concrete product that uh, NLO, the Nobody Left Outside Initiative, produced is a health service delivery checklist. So it's a document where together with all the members of uh, Nobody Left Outside, we basically went through a checklist of what is required to organize your healthcare delivery so that it meets the needs and uh, specificities and the living conditions of uh, some of those marginalized communities. And Alina, how does that resonate with you, that it's those very specific and very practical issues that have to be addressed, not just the big macro policy, but specific things on the ground that have to be attended to in order to to reach these people? Does, Does that make sense to you? Absolutely. I think it is important, the national framework and the big policy dimensions of this. But at the same time, we often see that the solutions are very much at the community level. So I think the checklist is really very, very helpful. And I think it shows the extent to which there are really a common set of quite concrete measures that can be taken to really improve the delivery of care to people who otherwise are left outside of the mainstream health system. I think some of the issues that undocumented people face are very specific to the facts of being undocumented. And and that often has to do with the fact that uh, they don't qualify in most member states in the EU for the most basic health care. And, you know, there's also a prevailing context of criminalization that really discourages them from wanting to make efforts to access healthcare. So this is really important impediment to accessing healthcare. Uh, at the same time, I think we actually already see some examples uh, with COVID-19 about inclusivity and resilience. And we've seen, for example, what governments are willing and prepared to do in the context of the pandemic where you know they have the right type of incentives, you might say. And for undocumented people, there have been some really important measures. For example, we have Portugal, that last year basically gave a residence permit to everyone with a pending status application as a way to ensure full access to services on the same level with permanent residents. And we also have countries like Ireland, which included undocumented people in their pandemic protection program for people who lost work in the context of the pandemic. And we've seen in the vaccine rollout that there are at least a dozen countries that have been explicit about including undocumented people. And I think a really, really important lesson is that in countries like Belgium, those efforts have not just been statements of intention, but have really shown a proactive effort to work closely with organizations that understand and have a history of working with these communities to design practical measures that work. So again, very often that's at the local or regional level, but there are examples already of how to do this. And what about Boris from the pharmaceutical industry perspective on that then with the rollout of COVID-19 vaccines? um, How should that be managed for marginalised communities? How can you ensure vaccine equity? Are you in fact tapping in, connected, networked into the right uh, communities to, to make that happen? Well, Sue, healthcare is a joint effort, uh, clearly, uh, with many, many uh, stakeholders, which makes it quite complex uh, system to manage. As a pharmaceutical company, as I said, the, the first and foremost, we developed new treatments, and then we do engage in healthcare policy in order to see how 
uh, health systems are organized to make sure that our products get distributed and received by all the patients who are in need of them. That's really our focus. When it comes to healthcare delivery, obviously, the public health and health professionals are in the driving seat. So we are in listening mode, engage with them, but they have to uh, drive the car and decide what works best for their population. And what, what does work best? I'd love to know from both of you, uh, what do you feel has been achieved by the Nobody Left Outside Coalition? Examples perhaps of best practice across the EU. Alina, what would you say? As I mentioned earlier on, I think a big part of what the NLO has offered is a space for us to develop shared recommendations, shared calls to action. And also, I think NLO has been wonderful in opening up spaces for us to deliver those messages directly to policymakers. And that's important. I mean, we're still in the midst of this pandemic. And I think a big part of how we come through it and come out of it has very much to do with the message is getting to policymakers about really how to really learn the lessons and move ahead in a better way and really come out of this better than we came into it. And so one of the things that we did last year through the NLO was we had, I think it was a very effective and successful webinar with several members of NLO as part of the European Health Forum guest time, um, where we had the, the head of WHO's European regional program who kicked us off. We had the former Commissioner of Health, uh, Dr. Andrukaitis, who contributed as well. And I think it was really a space where issues, shall we say, again, that are often seen as peripheral, really were given a stage and an opportunity to really speak directly to policymakers. So I think NLO has been really important for that. Thank you. And, and Boris, what about you? Do you have any shiny examples of good practice? So as Alina said, NLO is a coalition, is a platform. NLO was born out of a very simple idea. Is there something that these diverse groups, very diverse NGOs representing different communities with their own agenda, their own issues, and their own advocacy priorities? Is there something common that would make them work together to create this unique voice about access to healthcare for marginalized communities. And this is the big achievement of the NLO initiative. It is a platform where people who may have known each other before, but most likely not because they operate in very different policy spaces between homelessness, LGBTQ, or migrants or sex workers, very different uh, policy spaces. But there were something very clear from the outset about the issue of access to healthcare, and also some of the challenges born out of uh, stigmatization and discrimination that made just a very, very strong sense for a voice to be created. And this has actually worked. The European Commission has recognized NLO as a unique voice in order to reach out to these communities. Uh, same thing with the World Health Organization, who has asked NLO last year to produce a briefing paper on how to address the challenges of COVID-19 among marginalized communities. And they asked us to develop this briefing paper so that they could provide their own recommendation to their member states. So this platform, in terms of raising awareness about the issue and enabling policymakers to uh, engage very directly with different uh, communities that they might have overlooked otherwise 
was just, you know, perfect and perfect in timing because when COVID-19 arrived, the issue of resilience became first and foremost, the fact that you had to treat and provide care for all the communities in our society became very important. And NLO was able and ready to provide very concrete responses for policymakers to address those new challenges. Thank you both very much indeed for those insights. My guests today, Alina Smith of PECOM and Boris Azaiz of MSD. Thank you so much for your thoughts on how to improve access to healthcare for marginalised communities. And thank you very much for listening to 19 Conversations. If you liked this podcast, please click the subscribe button to be the first to know when we release our next episode. And please leave a rating and a review. So until our next episode, we'd invite you to join the conversation on Twitter using the hashtag questions inspire solutions. Goodbye for now.